Yo, 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 what's up, man? This is your boy, Young Rex, man, and you tuned in to Rex and T's True Crime Stories. This episode 37, and this is the Molly T. Bits story. Molly T. Bits was 18, I mean, was uh, born on May 8, 1998, in San Francisco, California. She was born to a wonderful mother and father and two brothers. And they was like just a tight family. They was real close. They, you know what I mean? It, they was they was tight knit. And second grade came, and her mom and dad got a divorce, and it caused Molly, her two brothers, and her mom to move all the way to Brooklyn, Iowa, while the dad stayed back in California. So you know, of course, this was hard because this is like a change coming from somebody that you used to you used to being around every day for years and then all of a sudden not only are you not around him you moved away to iowa so that in itself was kind of hard but like i said it was, they was tight-knit so they kept in contact with the dad and the dad made sure he stayed in contact and everything was good but like i was saying molly was a real good student she was down to earth everything she was in the choir she was on a debate team she ran cross country she was a public speaker like she was just everything she had a mindset she knew what she wanted like everything was going good wonderful relationship with her two brothers they helped her get through the divorce because you know of course they was a little older so they was they was able to help her get through that in october 2015 molly met a senior at her high school named Dayton Jack. He was a football player, and of course, he was smart, straight A's. Um, the ladies found him handsome. Her and her friend, one day they was chilling in, in the car uh, after a football game, Dayton and his friend, and Molly and, and her friend walked over because Molly's friend knew the guy in the passenger seat. So you know how's it go. They over there hitting it off, and then you got a single guy and a single woman. So Molly goes around and start hitting it off with they. Little did she know that they would hit it off for real. Uh, by the end of that night, he asked for a number. She granted it to him. And I mean, two weeks after that, they went on their first date. And from there, they was like inseparable. Like, I mean, they did everything together. Went to the movies, uh, each other's house, hung out on the daily, chopped it up, talked, did everything. The relationship was so real because even two years later, when Molly went off to college at University of Iowa uh, to study psychology, they didn't want tripping. He stayed in Brooklyn, Iowa, and he was working construction, but they made sure that they stayed connected, they stayed talking, they stayed communicating, and it, everything was still golden. After she finished her freshman year in like May 2018, now we fast forward to 2018, they still talking. Everything is beautiful. No problems, no nothing. Molly came back to Brooklyn, Iowa just for the summer, you know, to work, uh, hang out with family, friends, and she would study. And then she would go out for these runs. And like I told you, she was in cross country. So, you know, like, running is part of cross country and sometimes you you might do it just to be in shape you might do it as a workout gig you might do it to release stress but this is something that she continued to do once she graduated from school january 18th that same year dayton called molly and was like hey babe i'm going out of town for work and my brother and his fiance is going out of town for something 
And I was just wondering if you can be that awesome girlfriend you is and stay at my house while we gone and look after my two dogs. And of course, you know, Molly agreed. You know, Molly was like, I got you, babe. Around 5.30 p.m., Molly's brother was dropping her off at Dayton's house, not knowing that that would be the last time he would ever see his sister. I can just imagine that conversation. You know, what you doing? What y'all gonna be doing? You watching the dog? Oh, when he coming back? How long he gonna be gone? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then, all right, bye, be safe. I'll see you later. You need me to come pick you up or he gonna bring you home. I can just imagine. About 7.30 p.m., Molly sent the self in the day. And then she started getting dressed to go for a run. He didn't see the uh, selfie till later. I don't know if he was at work or, you know what I mean? He just was busy. And he kind of thought about it and looked at his phone and was like, oh, snaps. But whatever the situation was, when he did see the selfie, he didn't respond because it was like super late. He had already knew that she would be asleep. He just decided he'll reach out to her early that morning. That next morning, he sent the message. No reply. No reply. I mean, he just figured, okay, maybe she's still asleep. About noon, he sent another message. Still, no reply. He didn't want to freak out. He knew Molly wasn't that kind of person, so he knew it was a reason for something. So he wasn't going to freak out. He wanted he wanted to keep it level-headed. So he continued to go on about his day until he got a call from Molly's co-worker, and she's just like, hey, Molly with you? Nah, I'm out of town. What's up? She ain't at work or she ain't called in. So now I can see the panic in Dayton's mind now. So he gets off the phone with the co-worker. He, boom, he instantly calls her family. The family immediately kicks it in good. The dad comes down from uh, California. They're printing out shirts, pin buttons, billboards, like reward money. at You know what I mean? Like everything. They had search parties going on all through Brooklyn, abandoned houses, buildings, cornfields, all this all this they uh i mean as these days turned into weeks like the reward money jumped up to like four hundred thousand dollars they did like over 500 interviews like they were really kicking it in gear and i mean the month later from in that same year like a homeowner was just like going through his surveillance footage like, and I don't know because, like, every surveillance footage is different. So, I don't know if he was running out of room and if you de- delete this, this, and that, then that gives you more room. And he probably was just going through, checking, making sure it wasn't nothing on there that he wanted to keep for memories or whatever the situation was. And he sees something on his video footage that made him call the police and say, hey, I think you guys need to get here and look at, look at this camera uh, footage that I have at my house. And I don't know why or how, because when I looked at the footage, unless I'm only seeing bits and pieces of it, but like when I looked at the footage, I would not have put that together unless he was thinking like I see her jogging down the street. So maybe this is the woman that everybody's looking for. And maybe that's what it was. And with polices being polices, they seen the black car ride by and said that it was connected. But before I get ahead of myself, let me tell y'all what I'm talking about. Police uh, gets over to the homeowner's house and they're going through the footage, they're combing through. And then they see a image of a lady that resembles Molly 
and she's jogging eastbound in, you know, I guess East Brooklyn, Iowa. And about a minute or two later, you see a black car going down in the direction of Molly. Where you wouldn't find it strange with just regular traffic going by, the black car comes back again, uh, going the opposite way. And then about a minute or two later, you see it on footage again. That's three times going back towards Molly. And then you see it coming back away from Molly. That's four times. And then that fifth time, you see it going towards Molly. And that sixth time, you see it shooting back with increased speeds. Police was like, nah, that's, that's, just, that's just too much of a coincidence. Like, you know? The car going back and forward, and each time it's passing camera view, it's increasing speed. And then the last and final time, it's going at high speeds to make someone scratch their head and look. With Brooklyn, Iowa being like a small town or, you know, something like that, one of the small country towns in Iowa, um, they did a search uh, for that black car, and they was able to find it. It belonged to a man named Christian Rivera. And when police took the car, they impounded it and looked for evidence and things of that sort. And they found bloodstains in the back of the truck. And that later turned out to be Molly's. So, you know, he was immediately arrested. And when they started doing their research to see who is Christian Rivera, they realized that he's a 24-year-old illegal immigrant. He came to the States when he was 17. He was known by co-workers as a great person an awesome worker never missed a day of work always on time always a helping hand I, I that they were shocked that he was even being arrested for something of so sort so as they're in the interrogation room after hours of just going 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 at mr christian rivera he finally gives in and he says he thought that she was hot he wanted to make a pass at her when he drove past her he seen her he thought she was hot he had to turn around and get another look at her he came back through after he made up his mind you know what I'm gonna try to holler at her and then he came back again it was like uh, I don't know I don't know I don't know let me go in now you know what I'm about to go do it so that fourth time he tried to, you know, holler. Molly turned him down and she continued with her job. He then leaves and pulls back up. At this point, Molly is getting scared, frustrated, and angry. So when she see he pulls up again and gets out the car and he literally starts jogging with her, she then pulls out her phone and threatened to call police if he didn't leave her alone. He then started, I don't know, grabbing her, touching on her. So she then started screaming and slapping him. And he said from that point, he got mad because she was slapping him, that he blacked out. And when he came to, he was headed towards a cornfield. And when he looked in his lap, he seen Molly's earbuds on his lap. And then that's when he thought about it, that the body was in the trunk. He said he took it out the trunk and carried it on his shoulders. And she was half naked and she was 
decomposing because it's been like months that they've been looking for and for the hot weather and everything like that, right? Police couldn't find a murder weapon. You would think <clears throat> that this would be an open and shut case, but in reality, it wasn't. I mean, he confessed. He did everything. And it still wasn't open and shut. He, um, we tried to, they, they kept delaying the trial. Donald Trump even stepped up and tried to use it as his, um, as like, you know, like a, a gang in his, um, in his, uh, debate run. If you was paying attention to the presidential, presidential debate, uh, with Donald Trump, he wanted to send the illegal immigrants back across the border and put up a, a wall and this, that, and the third, and half the world was agreeing and half the world wasn't agreeing and the other half just didn't give a damn. But during this, while Donald Trump was trying to use this to boost his campaign, um, her dad like immediately sent a message to him, to Donald Trump and his campaign party telling them please don't use his daughter's death as political gain in his campaign run. So with this case, with them waiting on it to go to trial, it's constantly getting delayed. And you got to think about it. This happened in like 2018 and here we are in 2021 of April is when the case started. But the weird thing about it, Christian Rivera had a completely different story. Like, I don't even think y'all can imagine. So his story changed, and, and his story went like this. Two masked men came to his house and, and, and had him at gunpoint. They, they then told him, get in the car and just drive us. So after 20, 30 minutes of just driving around town in circles, that's when they start to approach Molly jogging down the street. He then says the man ordered him to stop. And he got out the car for about 10 or 15 minutes and then told him to pop the trunk. He put something in the trunk and shed it and told him to drive in a direction. And when they got to the direction, he told them, you better not tell nobody or I'll kill your family, your wife and your three-year-old child. Once they ran off into the cornfields in the middle of nowhere, he then gets out to check the trunk to see what they put in it. And he realized that it was Molly. And he, to save embarrassment from the family, and he realized he couldn't save her. So he decided to carry her in the cornfield and cover her body. So, because she was half naked. Of course, nobody believed that shit at all. So his, um, his defense team had to come with another story. And that's exactly what they did. I mean, this is what they get paid to do to pick holes in stories and find ways to defend you because they did just that. They came with another defense story, another way of how it happened. But this time, they wanted to blame Dalton. Like, they had to put it on somebody else, right? So, oh, no, it's Dalton because we, it's Dalton Jack. We dug through his background. He has history of anger management, blase this, blase that. Dalton had a whole alibi. He was in a whole nother town or state working construction and it was confirmed his alibi was confirmed like that was the whole reason he asked 
Molly to go to his house to watch his two dogs because neither him or his brother would be there. So that crumbled. But like I was saying, either this is a raw-ass defense team or Christian Rivera had connections to the cartel or something. Because two weeks later, two witnesses came forth and said they seen somebody else kill Molly and somebody else meant to kill Molly. So now you knew this just threw a whole shaboom into the case now. Because when you got witnesses, you really got to go dig it because this is this somebody's life you're talking about. So now the defense team like, see, the police didn't even do a thorough investigation. They got the wrong man in XYZ in the third. But of course, the uh, police was on that game. Uh, one of the dude, when they was questioning the two witnesses, one of them was like, he was a 21 year old man who was like, had a violent history of domestic violence. And he said that he got Molly, took her to a trap house that was used for uh, sex trafficking. And after he got what he wanted, he killed her. Police started doing their research. They couldn't connect anything with Molly, with a trap house, with this 21-year-old violent man that, she, that, that the witness was talking about. So, of course, that crumbled. So, after a long, long, long run, finally, Christian Rivera was sentenced to life without parole. And I know Molly family don't, I know they feel justice, but it's not the same because they'll never have their loved one back. And I just think that this was something that you just can't prevent. You can't prevent these kind of things are happening. I mean, yes, you can have a taser. Yes, you can have a pocket knife or, you know, whatever the situation is. But like for the most part, like she wasn't putting bad energy out in the world. She was giving good energy and she just wanted to jog. Like she went to her boyfriend house doing a good deed while he were out of town working and she went for a jog and just that day just so happened Christian Rivera seen her and couldn't resist her it's sad 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 my condolences goes out to the families as always of the victims in situations like this I just I don't I don't it's I don't even know how you can prevent it like it wasn't like she was jogging in the wooded area. She was jogging in the residential area. She was jogging. I think it, from the cameras, it looked like it was still daytime outside. But I did not take that back because it did say 7:30 p.m. She got the. She sent the. She sent the uh, selfie of herself to uh, Dayton, and then got dressed to go for a run. But I mean, even then. A run around the block, you shouldn't have to deal with that. But I don't know, man. Um, There's really not much you can say about that one. That one's sad. You can't really do too much with it. That's the Molly Tibbetts story, man. Our pizza. Her and her family. Um, I know Dalton. I, I want to send my condolences. Uh, and my, I want to, I want to, like, I can feel how he felt like he was in love like this was gonna be his wife this was like they were planning things like this they were growing they were just getting their careers set up so they can get ready to move on and take that next step and then she was taken from him from somebody that's made a poor decision 
and then you had a wife and a, a child at home so it really wasn't even no point for that but I don't know man this is the Rexy T's True Count story this is the Molly to Biz story my condolences goes out again as always I appreciate y'all listening make sure y'all donate make Make sure y'all go to my YouTube channel, True Rexy T's True Crime Stories. On um, my YouTube, um, I got merch coming out. Uh, Rexy T's True Crime shirts, uh, beanies, hats. Like, just get at me. Hit me in the inbox. Let me know. Y'all, let me know. It's a shout out to Anchor Spotify for allowing me to, to put this content out. Everybody, let's go. If you want to be a podcaster, y'all get Anchor. Let's go. Mm-hmm.